I'm walking into this gigantic office that represents basically 50% of the revenue for the region. <laughs> I am 25 years old, an openly gay male, Cuban, and I'm like, oh my God, I have to like now create this authenticity and this credibility for myself and succeed at this. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to show your value, turn up the volume, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, it is Hispanic Heritage Month, and here at the Lead With Your Brand podcast, we are proud to be celebrating through October 15th by featuring amazing leaders who just happen to be Latinx. Make sure you check out our collection of shows at leadwithyourbrand.com backslash Latinx. I want to talk a little bit about authenticity. You see, I loved growing up, turning on the TV and watching my uncle Joe Ramirez as a reporter on KNBC in Los Angeles. Now, back in the 70s and 80s, we would turn on the TV and whether there was a fire or a flood or an earthquake in Los Angeles, we always knew that our uncle Joe would be live on the scene reporting. But one of the things that I always remember about my uncle Joe was he was the same person on camera as he was sitting in his living room when we would go over to hang out with our cousins in Shadow Hills just outside of Los Angeles. And when I think about your brand and we talk about authenticity, it's really important that there isn't a gap between you on stage and you in real life. So what do I mean by that? You can't just create a brand that you turn on but the rest of the time, it's turned off. That's what we talk about when we say bringing your best authentic self to the table. You've got to be yourself and then turn up the volume. And we need to see that consistently. You can't be one person presenting in the boardroom, but then when we see you over in the commissary or grabbing coffee in the office, you're a completely different person. You've got to learn to meld those things together so that you're your best authentic self every moment of the day at work. And by the way, remember, you're always on stage and you're always on camera when you are with your career audience. 
I am super excited for today's guest because we are kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month with Oswald Mendez, who is the CEO and co-founder of New Majority Ready. Now, the mission of New Majority Ready is to put multicultural audiences front and center in the business planning process for companies and brands to engage meaningfully and authentically in their marketing and growth strategies. Now, Oswald's business trajectory began at the same time he started his studies at NYU. As a recent arrival to the U.S. from Cuba, it was out of financial necessity that he joined Canil Advertising, the largest Hispanic full-service agency at the time, really just to pay for college. And it was there that he discovered his passion for companies to understand the importance of being attentive to future market trends while serving untapped audiences that can generate significant growth opportunities. It was at this intersection of culture and commerce that Oswald found his purpose in business. We'll be back in just a few moments with Oswald Mendez. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am super excited for today's guest. It is Oswald Mendez, who is the CEO and co-founder of New Majority Ready. Oswald, what's going on? Hello, Jason. How are you? I am here in New York enjoying this beautiful sort of end of summer weather and, you know, living my best life. What can I say? Yay. Well, I'm excited to talk about your best life. So, Oswald, let's jump in. I know that you are always out, you know, networking and building your firm. So when you first meet people, how do you describe who you are and what you do? Ultimately, what we really want to do is just elevate the importance of speaking to multicultural audiences and for companies to really realize the value that these audiences bring to them. You know, that's sort of like the elevator pitch log line. But then you have to customize that conversation depending on the brand, depending on the company, and what level of maturity each of those companies are to have that conversation. So I know that you are a co-founder of of this firm, right? And you have just sort of a, a great career in the marketing space. So when you look back over your career, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? Oof. I, honestly, my biggest career breakthrough moment was the second that I got a job as a, as a receptionist at an ad agency right out of high school. I was about to go into college and I got accepted into NYU. I've only, I had only been here for four years in this country. I came from Cuba, living in New Jersey and get into NYU. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay? How am I going to pay for this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's a little expensive and I didn't get a full ride. So my mom at the time was working for an ad agency and she's like, look, we obviously don't have the money to give it to you, but the receptionist is on maternity leave. Do you want to come in and sub for her while, you know, while she's out and then make a little bit of extra money? And 
I was like, sure, I'll do it. I mean, it beat working at Chess King on Bergenline Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> so, once I got in there, I, you know, I felt like my mom just sort of like opened the door and she sort of like, you know, there was like a small opening and I just swung it open. And as I was in there, I just really got to know the environment. I got to know what the agency was. And I actually changed my major at NYU. I, I, I was studying comparative French literature and, and Romance languages and <laughs> something that basically would make me no money in the end. <laughs> uh, so I switched to international business and marketing. But I think to me, just having that opportunity as a very young person to experience the corporate world and to real to seize the opportunity as it was given to me, you know, and be able to build a career upon that. that that's a that's a that's a career defining moment. You know what I mean? Because it 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 makes you feel like you're fearless. You know, in, in a sense, you can walk into any situation and make the best of it. And and that's something that I've kept throughout my career. You know, the ability to walk into any situation and say, okay, I'm, I have to figure this out. How I do that. TBD, but we're gonna we're gonna do the best. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna so, figure it out. So, so you got your foot in the door, and obviously, it sounds like you fell in love with advertising and marketing and the in, entire space. What were some of your other career breakthroughs that really helped you on your path to being an executive and and ultimately a CEO? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I was at Canio, who that happened to have been the largest Hispanic, back then we wouldn't use Latinx, but Hispanic Latinx agency in the country. And it was an independent agency. That's where I got my career way before multicultural was cool as, as, as a term to use in marketing. But after that, I joined uh, McCann Erickson Worldwide at a really great moment. It was a moment in which uh, media was being privatized throughout the world, specifically in Latin America. There was the launch of pan-regional cable. And for the first time, there, were, there was a cable signal that unified all of Latin America and, and content was being distributed through one uh, signal, signal. So just being there at that moment, you know, where everything was sort of exploding and, and, and the, 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 the game was just changing radically throughout an entire region and the world, that, that, that was a great moment for my career because I, you know, I was there and I was part of the, 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 the few people that were part of that, that tragic, the, the trajectory. As sort of I grew into my role at McKenna Erickson Worldwide and I, and I became an expert in Latin America, I was asked to go to Mexico and run the media discipline for McKenna Erickson Mexico. Wow. And at that moment in time, Listen, I'll, I'll disclose my age. I was 25 years old and I'm walking into this gigantic office that represents basically 50% of the revenue for the region. <laughs> the other 50% was coming from Brazil. Uh, and I am like, oh my God, what, what have I done? You know, I am 25 years old, an openly gay male, Cuban, walking into this office where most of the people were older, you know, there, there, there was, and there still is maybe a little bit of a machista culture in Mexico. Yeah. And, you know, I was a foreigner because even though I speak Spanish, I was a Mexican, you know, and, and, and 
listen, there are there is such thing as being culturally fluent. You know, there is language fluency, business fluency, cultural fluency. I was fluent in the language. I wasn't necessarily fluent in the culture. So you're walking in and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to like now create this this authenticity and this credibility for myself and succeed at this. So that was a big moment for me to be able to walk in and and really be my most authentic self without waving any particular flag, but really have my work speak for the the value that I was bringing to the company. And everything else was just part of me. And that was a big moment for me. And that actually led to me running the discipline for Universal, uh, for, well, McKen Erickson World Latin America Media Discipline, which is where I met Jackie, my partner, in the, in the late 90s. She was working for Time International, Time Inc. International. And I ran the region out of Miami, and I was part of the team that actually launched Universal McCann Worldwide. Wow. So, you know, pretty big trajectory, and this is not, not even by the time I turned 30. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, now take me back to when you were a kid. Like, did you want to be in advertising when you were a kid? What, 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 what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, listen, I lived in Cuba <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, you know, advertising in Cuba is: do you vote for Fidel Castro with a red stripe or with a blue stripe? Uh, or <laughs> Or, you know, which brand of toilet paper do you want? The one that itches or the one that doesn't itch? So, you know, which the one that doesn't itch was not the newspaper, basically, <laughs> when you run out of the real toilet paper. So, you know, I didn't really have a point of reference what marketing advertising was um, living in Cuba. I actually thought I was going to be uh, a nuclear engineer. That's a really weird, random career that... I didn't even know why I liked it. I just thought that it would just get me out of going to the military and, <laughs> and, and in some sort of like scholarship that, that I could avoid being dragged into the obligatory military service in Cuba. And what were some of those things that you really learned in your childhood or, or, or influences from your family that have defined who you are today? Well, my grandmother was a huge influence in me. I, I have to say, you know, she was a, a woman ahead of her time. She was a professor. She painted. She played the piano. She was an incredibly sophisticated woman, smart, independent. And that's someone that I had as an example when I was growing up. And she believed in me more than anyone else. And I think, you know, she would almost say, she would always say, it's not because I'm his grandmother, but he's so brilliant and he's so smart. <laughs> and, and she exposed me to the arts at a very young age and created, I, I think, a very well-rounded foundation for me to succeed. So when I came to this country and I was exposed to all these other things, while I may not have had the, the income to compete or enjoy at, at the same level as other kids may have, I had a foundation of, of education and appreciation that that was inculcated in me from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Talk to me a little bit about your brand as an executive, right? Because mm-hmm. you you have run big international and global disciplines. You've been a CMO. You're in a CEO role now. What are three words that you would use to describe Oswald? I think the first one would be resilient. Um, mm. Resiliency is one thing that I, I, I appreciate in myself. And, and the ability to sort of come out of difficult circumstances and, and, and succeed, um, at least on my terms. Uh, I think the second part is the, the fact that I do it on my terms. And, and so um, I don't want to use the word authentic because I don't think it's right for this. But I would have to say, I guess I'm going to use a, a phrase uh, yeah. on my terms. Um, yeah. And and I and the third one, um, I like to have fun. You know, I I do take myself very seriously. Sometimes I am my own worst critic, um, <laughs> but I like to have fun in the process. So I would say those three. Yeah. So I love resilient, doing it on your own terms and fun. You know, and I love that you kind of caught yourself on the whole authentic piece, because I know sometimes that drives me nuts because everyone wants to be authentic, but it's kind of like authentically what? So tell me a little bit more when when you phrase it as, as you do things on your own terms, what does that actually look like in practice? Well, so I am someone who can think strategically and creatively and, and I go between the two of them, I think easily. So I, when, when I'm appro- approaching problem solving, it doesn't always come from the same way of thinking. Sometimes it's problem solving through my creative side. Sometimes it's problem solving through my strategic side. Sometimes the two meet in the middle somewhere and they compromise and they negotiate with each other. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes you just have to sprinkle that third one that I told you, the fun part, when it's come up about doing on my own terms, because I think there are certain situations that just get elevated and they just become incredibly complex for the sake of complexity. And so taking a step back and having that ability to synthesize the problem and 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 find a solution that perhaps is a non-traditional solution to it yeah to me feels doing it on my own terms that also means you know leaning into the experiences that i've had throughout my life you know yeah. And and I love that whole notion that you talk about, like, you kind of need to lead with different elements, right? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. when you're doing it on your own terms, you realize, wow, I need to lead with some of the fun. I need to sprinkle that fun element in, too, right? And I can't just be be one note there. Now, Oswald, would you say that you would always have described yourself this way or others would have described you this way? Or has your executive and professional brand really evolved over time? Well, I think the person and the persona eventually are becoming more together. I feel that there was a moment in, in my life, and I, and, I, and I do think a lot of it has to do with being LGBTQ+, where you sort of, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't really have a lot of points of reference in the professional world that were openly gay. So to me, I, I, I had you know, almost like a double persona going on at the same time. 
and there was a, a, a persona that lived outside of work, and then there was the person and I, uh, that lived in the professional world. As I've gotten older, the two have come together. And I forgot the question, but I think I was heading in the right direction with the answer. <laughs> I got so caught up in it. Um, but I, I do think, okay, you asked me, how would people describe me? So some people would have described me as fun. Other people would have described me as smart and driven and determined. And as I've gotten older, I think the two have come together, which is why I kind of like added that doing it in my own way yeah, uh, as, as a middle one, because it's this sort of combination of, of, of the person and the personas that, that, I, that I had growing up. And yeah. they were sometimes in conflict, you know? What was one of the biggest mistakes that you ever made in your career? And how did you recover from it? Or how did you use it to pivot to your advantage? Well, because I try not to ruminate. I don't look at them as mistakes. I look at them as choices. <laughs> So what was one of those choices? If you had asked me this question maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said, oh, what if I had continued my career at McCann, Universal McCann, and I hadn't left when I did, and it had taken the year off. And then in that year off, what if I hadn't competed on The Amazing Race? You know, like, what, what, what would my life be today? But what, what point does it serve to think about that? Yeah. But more importantly, you were on the amazing race. I was. Okay, how did I miss this piece? So so t- <laughs> so tell me about this. Well, I competed on the amazing race season 2 with my best friend at the time. I had just quit my job at uh McCann. I was taking a year sabbatical. I was burned out professionally and personally. Professionally, because I was been I've been doing that since I've been working nonstop since I was 18 years old. You know, graduated from high school. Didn't take one spring break when I was in college. Didn't take vacation. Didn't do. You know, I was like work, 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 work. I was 30. I was like I was like I need to live my life. And my grandmother had just passed away. And I and I mentioned earlier she she was a very strong influence in my life. So I was like I I need a break. I need to like just do something that's not this and my friend and i were at a movie theater in south beach regal cinema on lincoln road and alton uh and we're coming out of the 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 movie theater and there was a casting office steps away from from the from the movie theater and there's this guy outside he's like look i'm casting for this reality show and we don't have enough people auditioning and we get paid by the amount of submissions that we send to the casting agents you guys want to go up and audition? And I'm like, look, we're in a hurry. We're going to go have lunch now. (laughs) So we'll go up, but put us in front of the line and we'll just do it. So we did. I wrote the application right there. I answered the application. We were filmed. I wasn't taking it seriously. I was like, okay, we're doing this guy a favor. Two weeks later, get a phone call from the casting office and, you know, from CBS. And they're like, oh my God, we love you. We want to fly you out to LA and we would love for you to be, you know, and as one of our final couples that we're looking at. And we flew out. They put us through this very rigorous in- interview process. We met Les Moonves and all of his executives <laughs> at CBS. We were interviewed. We were cast on the show. <laughs> and what was the experience like? 
you know, when I was talking about being resilient and sort of figuring out, you know, your brand and, and I had been in a corporate world for quite some time and you sort of forget how, how resourceful you can be when you're just put in a situation where you have to sort of figure it out. That was a really good reminder of resilience and resourceful, resourcefulness. My accent sometimes come, kicks in still after 36 years. <laughs> and I think the, it's just the fun part of it, you know. And, and at that moment in time, I was like, national television, here we go. The, out for the world to see who I am, you know. And <laughs> off we went. And how far did you get? We got on four, to fourth place on that particular season. And then we came back for the first All-Stars and also fourth place on that one. Wow. See, I didn't even know I was talking to an All-Star. And so you spend a lot of time consulting with big brands on, on you know, how to appeal to consumers with a specialty and multicultural consumers. What are some of those branding techniques that you utilize with your clients that we could actually all use in terms of branding ourselves as professionals and leaders? Well, I think the most important thing, and I always say this to, to, to our clients is, you know, remove the idea of multicultural and just say, what is the audience that is going to surf best for my brand? And what is going to have the biggest return on investment? So as, as a professional in my professional brand, you have to know your audience always. Yeah, uh, as a marketer, you have to know your audience always, know the value of those audiences and how to best engage them. So I, I, I would move to the second part, which is, you know, engaging those audiences with relevant messaging. So if I know my audience, I'm going to craft that message, that narrative in, in a bespoke way to the audience that I'm speaking to. And I think finally it is about delivering on your promise, you know, delivering on my promise as, as an executive, I could come in and say, listen, I'm going to do it my way. And, and I'm this and I'm that. But at the end of the day, if I, if I don't deliver results, and, and everything else will probably be okay, he's great, we'll take him out to dinner. But, you know, he's not the person that's going to deliver the, the results for our company. So I, it's the same thing for for a brand, you know, you have to measure the impact of everything that you do. And, and it all comes down to the KPIs that you set up for yourself. Yeah. So I love this whole notion of like, you've really got to know your audience and you've got to be bespoke. And then at the end of the day, right, you have, you have to deliver on what you say, right? Mm -hmm. Like your value proposition has to pay off yeah. at the end. So tell me, Oswald, give me a give me a time in your career where maybe you received feedback that you needed to change or you realized <laughs> that some of the things you were doing in terms of kind of going full forward with your brand, maybe they didn't always work and you had to make some tweaks. In my effort to create this very strong persona in, in my professional life, because remember, I was much younger openly gay, you know, everything that I mentioned before in, in a culture that maybe necessarily wasn't receptive to who I was, I became very, I would say, instead of being assertive, I became aggressive. Mm. 
and and extra aggressive and and perhaps a little extra too extra direct. I haven't lost my directness, but I I do do it with a bit more love these days. And I've learned the difference between aggressive and assertiveness. So talk to me a little bit about New Majority Ready. How did you decide to co-found this agency? So Jackie and I just found ourselves in, in, in a great place together when, when we were both at, 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 a, at a career crossroads. And we were having dinner in LA one night and we both said, well, you know, what would it look like if we were to go into business together? And we both very quickly said, well, we have to start with the why. Why are we doing this? Because we both have the opportunity to get back into the, the corporate world. We, ha- we both had the opportunity to go on our own way. Why do it together? And when we sort of went away and, and workshop the idea of what would it look like for us to be together, the idea of New Majority Ready was born. And New Majority Ready... What it did is that it turned the way that you looked at the multicultural space on its head. Because it, because it wasn't about doing the right thing from a social standpoint. It was doing the right thing from a business standpoint. And having that conversation with the C-suites and being able to, as I said earlier, you know, elevate the importance of these audiences, but really as it relates to the bottom line. If you eventually, as a company, as a brand, can check off the box of doing the right thing socially and, and bring that purpose to, to your business, extra, extra, extra credit. But first and foremost is having those audiences have the visibility from, from a commercial standpoint that they are a viable audience and you shouldn't ignore them. Very cool. And so what was that moment that you knew you were you were going to take the leap? It, like you, you were actually going to be a co-founder here. Well, I, I would say the validation, the moment of validation was I, Jackie and I had this meeting. We, we sort of came up with a value prop and, and we went away to her house in upstate. And, uh, and I had a meeting with a friend of mine who was the CEO of Mediacom. His, his name is Sasha Savick. And we had known each other from my time at McKenna Erickson. And, uh, oh, I heard one of your podcasts where you talk about air, advice, insight, and I forgot the R. Recommendations. Recommendation. So I called Sasha and I said, you know, I'm working on this idea and I would love to get your advice, insight, and recommendation on this. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't a pitch. It was just a meeting with two people that have known each other for many years, and I was about to embark on this. And I presented to him the value proposition for New Majority Ready. It was barely like five pages long. And he's like, Oswald, you know, this makes a lot of sense. And actually, this could make a lot of sense, not just for Mediacom. It could make a lot of sense for Group M as a whole. And do you mind if I, you know, procure a, a, an introduction to our to our North America CEO to have a conversation and see what comes out of it? And a really great project that you know, affected change came out of that. But I would say that moment as Jackie was waiting for me at at our accountant's office to really incorporate <laughs> ourselves on Firefly LLC was a defining moment that validated what that what we were doing was the right thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you a couple of fun questions here. You work with a whole bunch of major brands. You help your help your clients uh, drive those brands. But as a consumer yourself, what is a brand that you are completely obsessed with? So I would say that from a consumer standpoint, I happen to love Rag & Bone, I happen to love Todd Schneider. I happen to love Alex Mills. You know, they're kind of like a brand new way of looking at fashion for men that, that to me speaks to my, my sensibility. So I, I'm, I'm totally speaking from a consumer point of view. Yeah. That those three brands in general, I, I adore and they speak to me because I, I think they, they speak both about the fashion that they represent as well as the lifestyle. And they are, they, they, they coincide with mine. Now, Oswald, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? I'll be a Metro card. Ah, <laughs> so, so tell me why, why are you like a Metro card? Cause I can get anywhere at a moment's notice and I have the freedom to go anywhere anytime I want. Oh, I love that. And what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I think to be fearless about the decisions that you want to make and trust your instincts. Um, the second one is don't ruminate on the past. Ooh. Because you can never go back in time, or at least not now. So rumination about past decisions, it's, it just takes you down a rabbit hole that you shouldn't go down. So finally, um, Oswald, this is Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you and your firm, New Majority Ready, really are at the forefront of, of helping big brands understand a multicultural audience. And we've got all of this new census data that just came out. What's your big recommendation to the business world as leaders and professionals? We look out at the multicultural market and maybe even specifically the Latinx market. Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is that while, listen, it's very important to bring attention to the Hispanic Latinx audience through Hispanic Heritage Month, and and I think other groups have their moment in in the spotlight. But but I, I would say to any brand that don't really think about a particular month to highlight an audience. I mean, you really have to have your multicultural hat every day of the year, you know, and and because these audiences don't just go away into a black little hole somewhere and they only come out from September 15th to October 15th. <laughs> we, we live, we are, we are out in the world all year long. So, you know, and there's an intersectionality of audiences right now, ethnicities and races that, I mean, if you look at the, the, the results from the census in 2010, you had 9 million people that identify as multiracial. In this new census, you have over 30 million people that identify as multiracial. Yeah. That is, that is like two, over 270%, you know, increase from, from one census to the next. So it's not just about celebrating the individual ethnicities and the 
and races and, and, and groups that are out there. It's really looking at the intersectionality of all of these groups and the fact that they're present and, and, and connected to each other all year long. Well, Oswald, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I had so much fun. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, I just loved our conversation with Oswald Mendez. In fact, it's a great lesson that if you don't ask great questions, you don't learn different things because I can't believe that I was talking to Oswald, who I actually remember back on The Amazing Race so many years ago. But you know, my key takeaway from Oswald was this whole notion of really finding your best authentic self. You know, Oswald talked about being one thing in certain situations and another another thing in other situations. And really being your best authentic self is being able to find the comfort level and the confidence to meld those two personal and personas together into one best authentic self that you can show up on and be on brand every single day. Well, that's our show for today. And of course, we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month through October 15th. So check out our show every single Tuesday by making sure you hit follow on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And make sure that you check out our site, leadwithyourbrand.com backslash Latinx to see our showcase of all of our great leaders and executives talking about their career breakthroughs through journeys and their professional brands, all of whom just happen to be Latinx. Make sure to follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria. And most importantly, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.